put the mug on his face. Two, three, one, go. Here we go. Josh, Tito, Wit. What's happening? You doing okay, Whitney? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Living the dream. Yeah, living the dream. What's that? What's that like? Tell, tell us all about that. Uh, well, currently employed. I quit my job oh. uh, back in December after 13 mm-hmm. years. Um, Is Yeah. Uh, so I'm okay. just you a little know, scary. For, sure. A little bit. Um, but so, you know, I'm looking for a new gig and taking care of, you know, just, ha- you know, house, um, you know, DIY projects and straightening up the house and working in my backyard and taking care of the dogs. I mean, it's, uh, kind of nice. Has the government been good to you during these COVID times? Would you say? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, government's the government. I mean, I mean, but kept you unemployed and still you know, being able to keep up with things and things like that. I think that's the main thing, I think, with this COVID thing. Now, it hasn't been as nice to me as a small business owner of a children's fitness business that has social interaction, you know, as the main purpose of its, you know, purpose. But uh, for, like, people like my sister, like, who, you know, just, like, for like a lot of working class individuals, I'm saying like the government's really, hey, they've been okay. The unemployment's been okay with that extra. Did you get? Did you get to reap the rewards of the six hundred dollars, you know, per week and all that? Um, you mean the um, uh, the stimulus that they sent last year? Like the unemployment, you know, like, uh, so part of the stimulus package for people that lost their jobs was not only were they able to collect unemployment, but they were also able to collect $600 per week in addition to that. So $2,400 a month in additional revenue that the government was just given to them because they were unemployed. And right. uh, that were you able to capitalize on a little bit of that? Um. Well, I voluntarily voluntarily left. I wasn't laid off. I just, you know, mm. said, you know, screw this and, you know, walked out. Um, and I've only been out of uh, out of the job for like a month and a half now. So, um, yeah, still still getting accustomed to that. Oh, okay. so did you so say you you said you've been with uh, the company? I don't think you. I don't know if you mentioned the company, but like fifteen years or something, right? 13. Yeah. Um, it was my second job out of college. I was an editor. Um, I did all kinds of cool stuff. I love the job, but I had, I think 12 manager changes in those 13 years. I mean, they would, uh, I got moved around a lot and my managers would, uh, you know, leave the company within six months of having me move to their team. So it was just a bit of a shit show. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that they would hire 13 managers and never once think promoting from within, you know what I mean? Like that. You know what I mean? Like you had 13 supervisors <laughs> like that they just got hired over the top of you. That's kind of crazy. Well, they they moved me around to different teams within the company. Um, okay. That says something when you have, you know, managers within a department leaving, you know, one after the other for uh, you know, over right. 
Um, but it was, you know, other than the mantra issues, it was really fun. I loved it. I got to um, edit all of their press releases, all of their major documents, um, had access to uh, top secret information, earnings materials. I mean, it was, it was a really cool job. And I was literally the only person out of 200,000 who did what I did. Um, yeah, it was a, it was a really cool job. I just was just ready to take on some more responsibility. So what was the bad of the bad that made you want to leave? Oh, sweet Jesus. Um, if it's personal, <laughs> like something like you hooking up with your boss or something like oh. that, you don't have to disclose that. How dare you, sir? <laughs> I, I just say that's usually what happens. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you get a, a little usually. too comfortable with yeah, the, uh, one of the 13 bosses that come your way. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know who you're talking to who, you know, fits that usually category. But um, no, it was, um, I wanted to take on more responsibility and uh, the manager's didn't really give me the opportunity to. They wanted me to stay in my uh, my niche role. Yeah. And th that was kind of frustrating. There were some other issues as well. A couple of the managers had, um, the managers and a couple of their teammates were sort of bullies sometimes because they were insecure about where they fit it within the organization. And uh, yeah, it was, it was just odd. There were some really strange dynamics of the company and um, the managers weren't really good at navigating those. Um, like I, I had, I think I talked to my, one of my managers maybe three times in one year. Yeah. And two of those were required by the company. Um, you know, so it was great that I had a whole lot of autonomy, but uh, it was weird that I wasn't really connected to my managers. And then that, you know how that impacts compensation and uh, promotions and all that stuff. It was just a really weird uh, dynamic there. Mm, I guess I don't. So what company was it? Do you mind saying the company that you were working for? He said, I think. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. So you had 13 different managers. You barely talked to any of your managers. You talked to them once. Well, how many times did you say? And then two of those times were like mandatory talks that you had to have. You know, as yeah, part of like for about um, resources. Yeah, I think for about five of the managers, I probably talked to them no more than six times a year. I mean, okay. that's included. I mean, phone calls, random. I mean, literally speaking to my managers. Uh, I think there were six who maybe I talked to less than five times a year. I had one manager who was fantastic. He became my mentor. We've been friends for about over a decade. Um, oh, okay. Really great guy. But for the most part, uh, the the managers weren't great. And one of you know we they talk a lot about um, advancement, uh, promotions, opportunities, but they're not really good at preparing managers when they're moved into a role. You know, giving them tr them any kind of training, like, um, you know, conflict resolution, or when you have conversations about your compensation, uh, these are the kinds of messages that you should talk about. Here's how you should com uh, convey this information. Um, just sort of some basic managerial stuff that mm -hmm. people get moved into these managerial roles, many of them not having overseen people at all, and they're just kind of winging it. Um, yeah, so when people go and ask about, okay, so, you know, 
let's talk about my compensation or what can I do to get to the next level? The managers just sort of shrug their shoulders because they're not really prepared to have those kinds of conversations. Well, what are they thinking? They're thinking that basically like if you're going to go elevate to the next level, you're going to basically take the manager's job, right? I mean, is that what the managers are thinking? So they don't want to have that conversation? Um, no, I think it's... Uh... I think they're uh, they don't want to go through the trouble of um, submitting the requests, um, helping to find more work, trying to sort of uh, hmm. create. A, I don't know. Sort of take the initiative to go to the proper people to say, "Hey, I want to promote this person to this level," um, and figuring out how to say, okay, we want this person to take on X responsibilities. Uh, they just don't want to take, a lot of the managers just don't want to take the time and go through the effort required to help people uh, get promoted. Did they have the capability to promote people? Maybe like somebody above them was like, uh, uh, we're not, we're not promoting anybody. And just, you just manage them. And maybe they didn't have any of the power or did they have some of the power. I mean, that's kind of crazy. 13 different managers, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> like, that's kind of a lot of managers. Oh, it's great. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, people have the ability to submit requests for promotions, um, okay. but they really have to jump through some hoops to make that happen. Okay. Um, and it's, I, I don't know, my experience there was that it was, um, it was not a meritocracy at all. Um, at least oh, in my department, and I'm not so everybody. Sorry. I'm so sorry. sorry. I'm I'm an I'm an idiot. What is what is the definition of meritocracy? I'm so sorry. I think um, I know, but I'm not 100 percent sure on the sure. definition of that word. Um. Uh, Want me to pull it up? Obtaining, obtaining I somebody the best because based I have no idea what work means. and merit. Mm. So okay. So your compensation and your promotions your opportunities would directly correlate with, uh, with your work and what you provide with the company. Um, a I lot gotcha. of, yeah. Um, versus, versus it being like, you've been here for a year. So now you get promoted because you've been here a year. It's not, it doesn't have anything to do with that. It's basically just on your merit. Is that what that means? Um, yeah. Um, a lot of it's, Sorry, I'm having taken me a moment to collect my thoughts. Um, no, no, no. In my particular department, it's more about um, networking and who you know rather than what you know. Uh, you okay. really have to, yeah. You in my particular department, you really have to be your own best advocate um, and sort of uh, publicize your contributions. I mean, you really do have to sort of promote yourself. And uh, for me personally, I'm sorry. Yeah, toot your own horn, huh? Yeah, and I myself am not a tutor. Uh, so. I'm not a tutor either. I don't like to toot my own horn. Who? Somebody else needs to toot the horn for you. You know what I mean? Like, who wants to toot their own horn? That's that's kind right. of crazy. Uh, that's it, another area this, where. Uh -huh. uh, that's another area where the managers fall short. Uh, they're not really great at um, letting people know about the people on their team who are doing a good job and and. Uh, recognizing people who contribute to bigger projects. Uh, now, I, again, this is just my department within communications. I certainly can't speak for the rest of the, but um, within communications, 
we don't have uh, benchmarks or metrics really. So you mm. can't say, oh, okay, so I processed X number of things and have that correspond with, oh, okay, well, if you did X, Y, and Z, then you're deserving of a promotion. Um, so, okay. Yeah. Hmm. Well, it's a kind of interesting though, because like, well, it, kind of a tough place for that manager too, right? Like, right? Like he's ha ba basically just got into that job, right? Like, uh, let's just say, you know, uh, the number seven manager got let go. Number eight manager finally comes in there, and, you know, right? Like, and then he's like, uh, he, he basically doesn't, he has power, but he doesn't really have any power. And it's all like kind of subjective. I don't know. Uh, I think, you know, kind of look at it all sides of it, kind of a tough position for one of those managers. So why didn't they ever hire anybody from like within or was it people from within that got hired into that managerial position? Um, often it was people uh, within the department who became managers. They were elevated to that position. Um, uh -huh. Like I said, there's no training for people when they're moved into that managerial position. So not only, mm -hmm. okay, they have this new role, but they don't really, you know, they don't have a checklist per se of, okay, this is how, um, this is our corporate ethos and this is how you manage people, you know, make sure right. Um, meet with your meet with each individual team member once a week, or uh, these are the five things that you need to talk about when you're meeting, uh, when you're having your annual review. Um, just sort of some basic managerial stuff. People are moved in into their roles, but they don't have um, any experience overseeing people, managing a team, uh, navigating uh, personal inner office dynamics. It's it's just a mm -hmm. really odd. Um, it's a it's an odd time for both the people on the team and certainly for the manager. Was the, were, were the majority of the managers and I'm just like I'm, I'm gonna take a turn here for sexism, but were the majority of the managers males or all of them males? Uh, I think I was. Hmm. You were one of the managers. No, uh, I. I think I had maybe five female and uh, six or seven male. Oh, okay. So, so yeah, it was, right. so it was then, pretty evenly. So then not sexist is where I was going to go. <laughs> right, yeah. No. All right, so that, why didn't they ever, and oh, did you ever bid or did you ever put in for that position, the manager position? Because it seems like where the problem is, uh, where, where the problem is, is the, Oddly enough, the communication, <laughs> the communication between the manager and the employee is what seems to be, you know, holding back the communications department. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I myself wasn't interested in being a manager. Um, I was more interested in um, taking on more responsibility, which would have given me, uh, which would have promoted me in the company, raised me to a higher level, better title, better salary. Um, right. Yeah, because I was an individual con contributor. Like I said, I was literally the only person at the company who did what I did. And I was interested in taking on even more responsibility that would help take me to that next bracket. Um, and I didn't have a manager who uh, was interested in that or who would take the time to go and and plead my case to sort of the, uh, the, the council, if you will, above them. Okay. Uh, 
Yeah. Hmm. So it's, it's really all about who you know and, and advocating for yourself. And I've, this is the only uh, long-term job that I've had. So I'm mm -hmm. not sure how this culture compares to other cultures. I don't know either. It's interesting talking to you about this because I've never worked for a company so big that has that upward mobility like a Yeah. I worked at my gym, you know what I mean? I think Matt asked me for a raise one time. I was like, I can't, I can't afford to give you a raise. And he's like, well, quit then, <laughs> you know, like. Yeah, like I was saying, that's as far as it went. You know what I mean? There was like no committee or anything like that. It was like, uh, you know, we have this much money or we don't have this much money. So it is interesting, the politics. It, must, it sounds like it's a lot of kissing ass. And it, it's not necessarily something that I would enjoy having to do. You know what I mean? Like a you lot have of to ass kissing and a lot of horn tooting. Yeah. And if that's not. Yeah, yeah. To your own horn and your ass kiss at the same time. Yeah. I mean, yeah. come on. I mean, enough already. Like, that's, 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 that's too much. Did you, it, it, the, off the beaten path, but not really off the beaten path, kind of on the same line. It's unbecoming to somebody to toot their own horn, right? Like, if you're, like, especially if you're a manager and you're just like, God, this person is bragging about themselves all the time. They're not even really that good. You know what I mean? That's probably what they're thinking, right? I mean, I would think like, that would be a pain in the ass. Getting, I mean, having somebody swing by your office and say, oh, by the way, I finished this up. and uh... I got here at 7.30, FYI. <laughs> yeah, I know we're supposed to be here at 7.45, 7.30 on the dot, by the way, all month. You know, like... You got to say stuff like that. It's, it's kind of a little bit ridiculous. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised that Bank of America doesn't have it a little bit more put together, you know, as far as that goes. And it, seem, and it also seems like that, that managerial job is like one where people like are there for like a little bit and then like they don't want to be there for long. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like they the don't want to be in that position for a long time. Yeah. They get burned out pretty easily. Um, yeah. Yeah, there are some people who are great at promoting themselves and networking, but don't do a whole lot of work. And then you have people who do a whole lot of work, but they're not great at networking and they're not great at talking about themselves or, uh, yeah, the horn tooting. Um, mm -hmm. And when you have those people working together or you have, um, if a manager has an employee like that, um, so that you, they don't they have a hard time understanding each other because they just um, have different work ethics. They just sort of approach work differently. Um, so right. that, that can cause some, uh, some friction when you have yeah, managers sure. who don't do a whole lot of work, but are really great at the self-promotion, um, overseeing somebody who does a whole lot of work, but doesn't do the self-promotion. Um, mm -hmm. It's a really odd dynamic. Well, I was going to spin off into a Dave Chappelle story, which was, yes. uh, you know, Dave Chappelle, you like Dave Chappelle? Uh, yes. All right. All right. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. Everybody at two, three, one podcast knows who Dave Chappelle is. I hope, I hope so. Anyway, I would, I would venture to say that he's probably one of the top five greatest comedians to ever have lived. Right. He's that good. But recently, he has done a couple of what you, you call them like specials, uh, but they're not really specials because they're not comedy specials. Basically now just like 
speaking at people on social injustice and this and that. Did you, but re, really recently, like uh, in the last couple of days, Dave Chappelle went out there and uh, basically called himself a hero for doing these speeches, quote unquote, comedy shows out there. And a lot of the comedian community is kind of like, oh, like, why are you tooting your own horn like that? Like, come on, like, don't call yourself a hero. I think there was a, in a one speech or whatever that he did, he called himself a hero five times. Um, you know, so just going to the whole toot the horn thing, it's just unbecoming of somebody. Like nobody wants to hear you toot your own horn. No matter how great you are, it's, they don't want to hear you doing that. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it's that kind of an unfair thing for you guys to have to do as an employee and kind of an unfair thing for the manager to have to like watch out for also, you know what I mean? Because, you know, if the work is good and it's really being amplified, then somebody should notice that's not the person that's putting in the work. You know what I mean? Sure. The work that, should speak for the, itself. I mean, the work should speak for itself, but it doesn't there in that position. Yeah. There's no that's, why I, that's why I like Trump. Because, you know, he doesn't toot his own horn. He never talks about how good he is. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. He never says he's the best. Never says he's the greatest. Never, <laughs> never says, says he's phenomenal. Right. It's unbecoming. That's what I'm saying. You know, like, it's like not, it's not cool. Like, I don't think that businesses should ask you to do that. And then, that, and then you have to rely on that method to get like a raise. That's kind of crazy, right? What? Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's just sort of an unspoken truth within again my department, um, some of the teams that I've been on, um, not certainly not speaking for the entire company, uh, but yeah, it's um, yeah, it's an interesting place to be if that's not your orientation. Well, what was the what was the uh, the specific job title that you had? Like, what was your sole responsibility i think I, I think i have it which is basically like uh uh i don't want to say social media but like media basically like media that goes out to i don't know the, the media <laughs> but you're yeah. writing it on the behalf of uh is that correct uh it's an odd job i um um, I would receive press releases from our media specialists, and I would be responsible for coordinating the distribution of them uh, to various okay. media outlets. So I would make sure that a press release went out to, oh, I don't know, CNN and NBC and Fox and, I mean, all of the news outlets, all the newspapers. Uh, it was my job to help coordinate that distribution with services. And it was also my job to edit and proofread those. So I was the last line of defense before a press release went out to the world. Um, give me, give me just a just a once like like a just a like a one example of like what a press release would like the topic would be like. Just a quick summary. Okay. I just kind of want to get an idea of like exactly what you're be writing about. Okay, so um, announces their quarterly earnings. So, uh, you know, okay, every gotcha. quarter what with being the quarterly earnings. Um, right, they'll right. put together a press release that includes um, all of the, all of the data for that uh, for that period, um, 
a couple of pages uh, of explanations going into detail what occurred within the company over that quarter. I mean, it's their big honking announcement that has to go out at 6.45 a.m. because all of the news stations are, you know, jumping to report on these things. Yeah, Um, the quarterly report is like, you know, basically like the the stock exchange, basically. You know what I mean? Like, uh, we need those numbers. We need to know exactly how you're doing. Because it's such a big corporation, I'm sure. So that's important. Yeah, like our CEO would be about to go, would be, um, about to go on camera on a TV interview at say 650. So if those mm-hmm. earnings weren't uh, pushed out to all the news outlets by 645 with our CEO, you know, going to interview it in about five minutes, we'd be screwed. <laughs> so there's, okay. um, yeah, it's a high so, pressure. So uh, four times a year you would like, really like pressured to like put this information out so that's the main information are there any other tidbits of information to go out in between like hey we got a new manager (laughs) um yeah we we put out several several every week um we'd announce uh, all kinds of things like there could be a press release about um some philanthropy we did like uh is contributing uh, $500,000 to a local Charlotte nonprofit or um, is launching a new product that allows uh, people to do X, Y, and Z on their iPhones or, um, I mean, it, it runs the game. How did, how did the, how, well, what was the, the press writing on the whole PPP thing, if you don't mind? This is personal for me because I bank with and they are fucking horseshit at this fucking PPP shit. They're, they're horrible at it. They're like the last one to the fucking table, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, how handle their paycheck protection program for small businesses? Are you familiar with that? You might have quit before that, before that uh, actually happened. I, th- I think you were still there. Yeah. Um, so the press releases... Um, are an opportunity for us to promote what's going on well in the company. Um, mm-hmm. If you know, if, if we're running into, if we're having, um, you know, problems and issues, we're not going to put out a press release um, about, hey, here's, uh, hey, P.S. Hey, look, this is a shit show. You know, it's more. Uh, right. You know, You're PR. not gonna. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Those are the You're issues only- that our media relations department would stay away from. Um, only sure. if we were able to uh, announce, hey, these were issues, but now here are all of the things that we've done to resolve them. And we're so proud of these, you know, X, Y, and Z. Um, Was there anything like that for the PPP? Uh, the only thing I remember, uh, I think maybe there were one or two announcements about how uh, was one of the leading uh, providers of funds. And uh, one of the most successful in that they were able to more quickly distribute out, uh, sorry, distribute um, funds than than other financial uh, companies, other leaders. Um, Yeah, I would say. I mean, has basically eaten a dick on how to do this paycheck protection program. First of all, I applied for it the first round. You were... 
This is the only way you're going to say a small business is the, with this paycheck protection plan. This is the only relief that's coming to small businesses because I don't get the 1400 stimulus or whatever, because I'm a business owner. So I don't, I'm not privy to any of that stuff. You know what I mean? So really the only thing that's come out from the government that I feel like is, you know, helped is the PPP. Now I did get one round of it, which was good, but it took them like three months. What I sent in the application three months later, I had even forgotten about it. I wasn't even banking on the fact that they were even going to give it to me. And then they give me like $28,000, um, which is basically like, so the PPP is like basically so you can keep your employees uh, employed and you're supposed to, uh, three quarters of the money that you get is supposed to be used towards your employees. And then the other little bit, I think it's like 60, 40, something like that. 60, 40, 60% to your employees, 40% for like rent and utilities and things like that to keep the business going. But they took, so it was all, it was great, you know, like, but we definitely needed another round. And I applied like a month ago and still, you know, like I, I, I don't know if I'm going to get the money, when I'm going to get the money. You're not allowed to call them. You're not allowed to call and talk to somebody about this. You know, it's all like talk to the computers, you know, like with this specific subject. So I, well, I, I wish that I was banking with to be honest, it seems like they have their shit together a little bit more. Well, I will say from uh, from the bank's perspective, when they first launched the program, uh, the response was incredibly overwhelming. I mean, like three or four times the number of applicants uh, than they were uh, expecting or prepared to take on. So when oh, they're sure. trying to process these requests, I mean, pulling people out of all kinds of departments. I had colleagues who had had no banking uh, experience per se who were being pulled in to help try to process applications um, because the need was so great. There were so many people applying um, for the funds. Uh, so mm -hmm. I do know that, uh, you know, right now I'm not certain, I don't have much insight into the status of um, the application process, uh, its success or its difficulties. But when they first launched the program, I mean, it was it was just a shit show because you know people were uh, desperate to get their funds and uh, banks were just over so overwhelmed by the um, by the need. And, you know, they did uh, they took a lot of steps to try to uh, rectify that, adjust uh, to be able to satisfy the need and the requests. Um, but you know, I mean, man, COVID has just been I don't want to say unprecedented. Uh, I know people are using the the word unprecedented a lot, but the truth is, you know, we had, um, you know, we had the Spanish flu back in, well, about all, almost a hundred years ago. Um, yeah. Which was very, very similar. Um, actually, sure. there, there are historians. Who will go it and, didn't shut down the global economy, I don't think, back then. Uh, people just died, I think. <laughs> Which is worse, obviously, but, you know, because there wasn't, obviously it wasn't the amount of communication I would imagine between, you know, one country and another, and now we have well, the internet, blah, blah, blah. 
Yeah, so well, we were also yeah. in the middle of World War One, so mm. okay. Yeah, yeah. so uh, I mean, you had yeah, the economy was a bit was a bit of a shit show, but I mean, more people died of um, the flu than uh, uh, battle related injuries when it came to when within World War One. I. I mean, it, it was. It was crazy. And back then, there are historians who talk about uh, uh, various uh, – they talk about what, what the United States was like during uh, the, the Spanish flu. So this would have been about 1917, 1918. And it's almost like looking in a mirror. Um, like there were people who, who didn't want to wear masks, and they protested in the streets – and uh, you had one guy uh, back in 1918 who was sort of the equivalent of our Dr. Fauci, and he, mm-hmm. uh, you know, toted the uh, the importance of wearing masks and was sort of that representative. And some people believed him, and some people thought he was full of crap. Uh, they had a president who did nothing to uh, promote. Um, hey, okay, so that you know, this is our we're going through a difficult time. These are our expectations as a country, you know, we need to do X, Y, and Z. I mean, the, the president during that time just sort of sat back and was like, I mean, he didn't address it at all. Who um, was the president during that time? Oh gosh. Of course you would ask. Is it me Roosevelt? That. No. No. no uh, it's way earlier than that. World War One. Oh no. Woodrow Wilson. Well, that's what I was thinking. Woodrow Wilson. Okay. All yeah. Right. Well, that back and there was no national plan. Um, you know, yeah, you had people protesting, uh, walking through the streets and not wearing masks and people wore masks and the, um, the, the cases went down and people got comfortable and the rates went back up. I mean, it's literally what happened, uh, a hundred years ago, almost step by step is exactly what's happening today. So it's interesting when people talk about, you know, COVID being unprecedented, man, I mean, you can look at history and, and, you know, use it as a guidebook, you know, what to expect, you know, we've been, and this is going to happen. And then this is going to happen. And, you know, people are going to be slack asses because we know we've seen people do this, you know, in the past. And I don't know, it's, it's really interesting. It is is pretty annoying times with everything during these unprecedented times, like how many times do you hear that? It's so annoying. I agree with you a thousand percent. Like I, like anytime it's so many commercials, they're like, Hey, come buy a car at Ford Kia during these unprecedented times, blah, blah, blah. Get the fuck out of here. Like enough already with the, you know what I mean? I, I agree with you. Like it's, it's happened before. We should have been prepared for it now. Why weren't we pre- prepared for it the way that we should have been? You know what I mean? Not like Obama didn't talk about it. He did talk about it, you know? Like, he did talk about that specific thing, like a global pandemic that might occur. Uh, and they, it did. They had a 400-page uh, guide prepared for uh, what uh, the steps that the government, the U.S. government should take um, should such a, a where did a, that go? Did that, that did that slip underneath somebody's desk and like no, uh, nobody could find it? What happened to that? What happened to that? Just didn't uh, use it. 
there were people who, you know, when the Obama administration, when their officials uh, were leaving and you had the um, the Trump representatives coming into, there's there's a transition period. So each each uh, outgoing administration, there's a period of a few weeks where uh, they try to get the new uh, administration representatives acclimated. So it's not like people just walk out of the building, you know, on inauguration day and say, you know, all right, new people, good luck. Uh, mm -hmm. There is a transition period where people walk through this stuff. And uh, the Trump- He was in office already like three years, wasn't he? I mean- Yes, so- But uh, he, he uh, correct me if I'm wrong, did he or did he not uh, like take away, like there was a committee specifically yeah. for a pandemic type situation. He dismantled that committee, Trump administration did, correct? Yes. Dismantled it and reassigned it basically. Yes, they drastically cut uh, funding and support and then ultimately they dissolved it. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, somewhere within the, within the White House, within the Library of Congress archives, you know, there's this 400 page document, you know, outlining here's what you do in case of a global pandemic. Um, and uh, it just wasn't uh, taken advantage of. How many pages was it? 400 or something? Yeah, something like that. I mean, it was clearly do you, do you know how long the, uh, the COVID bill in pages is? Oh, me and Matt talked about this before. I spoke about this on the podcast. Uh, you want to know how long the the stimulus bill was as far as pages goes? Like, if this doesn't tell you anything, there must be like billions of documents fluttering around the Capitol buildings in the White House because nobody's reading them. Nobody's like, it's like too many pages to read. Nobody knows what the hell they're doing. Anyway, I'm just going to say it. How many pages was it? It was like 5,000 pages or something crazy like that. Right, Matt? Yep. yep. It was like 5,500, I think. 5,500 pages. That's the length of the stimulus document, the, the bill that they want to pass, and that everybody has to read in like a couple of days. Like, how is anybody going to read 5,500 pages? It's ridiculous. So, it, it, and it's, it's just kind of crazy also that they're like, you know, it was a 400 page document, you know, to specifically deal with a crisis like this. And you, you, you don't hear a word about it. I think the first word I ever heard about it was right here on this podcast uh, via Whitney, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, they had a playbook from the Obama administration. And they, well, they uh, didn't, didn't avail themselves of it. Yeah, they didn't use it. They were just like, yeah, what's everybody else doing? No, Yeah, and of course- It's just kind of crazy. Was the CDC and, and the previous administration was you know, pissed off about it. I mean, they spent all this time putting together this detailed playbook and to have them, to have the current administration or previous uh, administration just flounder around and not use something so detailed and comprehensive after they worked their ass off on it. I mean, they were, they were pissed. And I remember them uh, going and having um, interviews with a, a lot of media outlets about it. I think uh, I watched a 60 minutes report on it um, and uh, reports in, in a few other major publications, but uh, I really? can't imagine 
how frustrating that would be to see your your country going through this incredible uh, uh, predicament. Take advantage of the things available that could help. Yeah, I mean, Jesus, if they had a document already stating the fact that you need to be wearing masks, stay six feet away, blah, 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 you know, uh, it needs to go on for this certain amount of time until blah, 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 blah. I mean, I don't know how much the document from back then would, and maybe that was part of it, like maybe it doesn't translate to today's world because there's so many more people, maybe the cities are overinflated, blah, blah, blah. I don't, I don't know exactly what the, the metrics are, but I just find it kind of ironic that the states which have the highest or uh, most stringent restrictions on businesses, on curfews, on, on this and that, those are the ones that have the highest cases and the ones, the, the, the states that have the most people fleeing out of those states because they're like, this is ridiculous. We're going to go to Florida or Texas because they just, uh, they just letting you live regular. And isn't that kind of crazy? Like Florida, and Matt, you might want to check these numbers. Let's do the COVID numbers. Let's do the COVID numbers because I, I did hear this on a podcast, on another podcast, Joe Rogan or some another podcast. I think it was flagrant to that podcast. Anyway, they basically said that Florida, even though they've remained open the entire time, the young people are not wearing masks. I can guarantee you that because I, I'm from Florida. I've been there. Young people are not wearing masks. Older people are wearing masks, you know, and they're keeping their distance. And young people see that the old people or their mask and they stay away from those older people and you know they kind of keep their distance like that but as far as anything else goes as far as like shutting down restaurants as far as like they do have like a little bit here and there but for the most part is it was business as usual back in florida and the numbers for covid cases i think i think they're like the bottom half as far as states are concerned am i am i wrong matt yeah, I'm looking at something that's saying they're like bottom three quarters or so. It's a uh, yeah, they're like twenty cases, something cases per one hundred thousand people, and Florida's at eighty seven hundred. Uh, the top is North Dakota at thirteen thousand. North Dakota has the most COVID cases. Uh, again, this is per one hundred thousand people, so it might not not necessarily mean they have the most they just have the most per per person uh, i don't like that stat okay can we just go like the, the like straight numbers like who's got the most uh i don't per capita is not i don't care about that because north dakota has like seven people so i don't you know right, per capita that's, be higher that's, that's why it's important you know if north dakota only has the 50th population but they have you know the highest cases per person that's what the importance that is right i don't know i don't think so i mean i don't know what do you think what do you think well the other thing to consider is it's not like every state um gets 
got COVID-19 at the same time. It's not like all the rates jumped at, up at the same time. It sort of worked its way around the company, uh, around the country like a wave. So it st- you started with New York, New Jersey. Their rates were ridiculously high, and mm-hmm. the rest of the country was pretty low, um, except for California. And then they got their stuff under control, and there was the uh, COVID rates started rising into the South. So their rates started getting higher. Um, and then uh, it moved to the Midwest and um, up to South Dakota. So it's almost like people were doing the wave in the stadium. So you can are you, see. I'm sorry. Are you? Is that, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. But I just, uh, are you do, uh, is that literally how it happened? That's like the first COVID case was in like, are you like moving methodically throughout the U.S. map as to how COVID came in? And where it struck as far as the numbers go? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. Uh, it's pretty much kind of how it went. I mean, you had the first cases uh, reported in California and New York because uh, those are you know, major airline hubs. I mean, you've got you know, so many people coming into those areas um, from overseas. So you, when, this full, when this thing fully started, you know, New York and New Jersey had the highest rates because they were uh, the most susceptible. They took steps, uh, you know, pretty much right off the bat. Uh, you know, I mean, they weren't letting anybody, all businesses were closed. They weren't letting anybody do anything and their rates started to decrease. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then COVID, it sort of worked its way down to the South. Uh, mm-hmm. So you can look at timelines and see um, that, met, that, New York's rates were starting to fall. The South's rates were starting to rise. Um, and then once the rates started rising, the South eventually got on board and, and realized, okay, we need to start doing some of the things that New York did because they were, that they were able to decrease their rates. Uh, and then, yes, that's then it sort but of then moved that... around to the South. Um, like mm-hmm. South Dakota had this huge rally for Trump. Um, oh, I forget what it was. Maybe back in August? Uh, and their rates skyrocketed because they had like what fifty thousand people, I think, come out for a huge but rally. No uh... one was wearing their masks, and it just, I mean, went widespread throughout South Dakota. So you're it's, talking about uh, that? Um, it was like a biker, uh, yes. biker rally. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. like something like two or three weeks long, and it was just like you said, tens of thousands of people, and of course, nobody's wearing a mask and. And sure then enough. within two weeks, I mean, their rates just skyrocket. So you think, you know, South Dakota, what the hell? And that's why. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that you, yeah, you can sort of follow along and see, um, you know, the rates, the, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the death rates, the um, uh, uh, contamination rates sort of correlating uh, with the steps that that uh, are are ordered by the state governments and city governments, and um, you know, yeah, I mean, as as states are enforcing uh, various protective measures, I mean, you can see the the rates declining, um, and it sucks that it's so difficult for small businesses. Um, well, it would also it, it, help it, if people would stop being dumbasses and actually. Um, you know, adhere to uh, the protective orders that have been. Um, uh, well, 
Right. As far as small business goes, because I've been affected wholeheartedly, like, the, you know, I could, I could say I've been one of the worst hit by well, sure. COVID as far as small businesses go. The only thing you would need to solve for small businesses is to be like, all right, well, you are only allowed to have 50% capacity. You should only have to pay 50% of your bills. You know, that should be a thing. I don't know why it's not. It's ridiculous that it's not that way. And then that would solve the problem and kind of like even playing field. All right, we keep the business open. We can only have 50% capacity. We're adhering to those rules to keep the numbers of COVID cases down. But you can't expect us to pay full rent and full utilities and full blah, blah, blah. Now, the Paycheck Protection Program, that helps for the employees, payroll. But... You know, what about the rest of it? I mean, we still got to pay the rent, all the utilities, all of this. And none of that is budging, by the way. You know, and I think that that's where, I don't know, whoever the fuck the spokesman is for small businesses to Washington really dropped the fucking ball. If there even is one, by the way, you might want to run for that position. And since you're unemployed right now, you might want to run for that position. Because that's a much needed position. It's very simple. You just give money to the shopping center so that they so that the tenants only have to pay half of the rent since they're only allowed to have half of the people in there, half of the capacity. You know, it only makes sense. But uh, what do I know? You know, Elefino, elephant with a rhinoceros. <laughs> <laughs> what, do you, what do you get when you mix an elephant with a rhinoceros? Sorry, this is an inside joke between me and Matt. Oh, uh, no, no, and, I, I know it. And the question is, uh, the final, oh, the answer is, uh, the yeah. You know that joke? Yeah. Oh, ah, anyway. We did, we did like three, four jokes before we started on this, and we we thought, hey, may, maybe it'd be kind of funny if we just ended podcast with like two, three jokes at the end of it, you know? <laughs> Two, three, one jokes, you know, something like that. <laughs> by, by the way, do you do you want to know why the podcast is called Two, Three, One? Yes, Go. desperately. You do, yeah, because it's an interesting name, right? Like, uh, why? I mean, it's kind of strange. Why are you doing that? So, the originally the podcast was going to be called Spitting Truths, right? Uh, I don't know why. I was like, that's cool name, <laughs> and. Uh, Anyway, uh, we're getting started on the podcast. I know there's nobody listening, you know, but I, for whatever reason, I'm still really nervous, right, to, like, broadcast my voice onto the universe, you know? So I'm nervous, and I have my friend Chelsea. She's nervous, and uh, I was like, can you help me? You know, we're going to start the podcast, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, what can I do? And I was like, well, all you got to do is just count down. Just count down. That's all you got to do. She's like, how do you mean? I was like, well, just go to, you know, three, two, one, go. That's it, right? I was like, uh, I'll point to you when, you know, when it's your time. You know what I mean? <laughs> Hilarious. And then I'm nervous. She's nervous. I'm like, all right, I'm ready to hit the button now to record. I hit the button. It's, it seems so silly now because we've done so many of these. It's like, why are we even nervous? Nobody was even listening, you know? But she's so nervous that instead of saying three, two, one, go, she goes, two, three, one, go, right? 
I'm imitating her, but that's how, that's how she said it. She was trying to be all formal, you know what I mean? Still at the same time. Yes, he was nervous. So she goes, two, three, one, go. Like that. <laughs> and I just look at her and I'm like, did you just say two, three, one, go? What the? Like, uh-huh. come on. Like, like the first broadcast. So that's why if you, if you notice the logo, and Matt did a great job creating the logo. That's why it's like the logo is like basically like tripping right out of the gate. Like, like it's this is a ridiculous podcast. We're tripping right out of the gate. We don't know what we're doing. We don't know what we're talking about. You know what I mean? So it was, it was kind of a funny thing. And Kim actually uh, was the one that was like, "You need to keep that two, three, one, go. That needs to be the name because it's got a story behind it. It makes sense. It's kind of you know." So. I decided to change it from Spit and Truth to Two Three One Go. Actually, I I wanted to have two podcasts. <laughs> That's how selfish I am. I want two podcasts. I don't just want one. And <laughs> I was like, well, I'll do Spit and Truth as like some other podcast. And I'll do Two Three One Go as this other podcast. But and, you know, and that's I mean, actually as I learned. Chelsea saying that is actually the intro to the podcast. Yeah, that little yeah. that little short audio bit where she goes two three one go yeah <laughs> maybe it, I think you should re- re-record it with your imitation because that's pretty good with, is it good you like it it's kind of yeah. annoying it's like two three one well she was just she was like, like if you had seen her face she was like sitting straight up she was like so ready for this moment. Which is just literally just counting it down, you know, from three, and she couldn't even get that right. But it, it's still it, it, fun. I'm I, I'm happy that you came on here, Whitney. To be honest, with you. we we've been toggling with trying to get some guests on here, and it's like uh, I don't know. People people get nervous about. I don't know why. I really don't know why because still nobody's listening. <laughs> But we're working on it. The, the re- go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, it's just a, it's it is a little intimidating. Um, no, no. You know, before you feel like you you know really have to have your shit together, um, and you know, and here I've thrown in a bunch of ums and awkward pauses trying to collect my thoughts. So uh, yeah, I, I understand why people might be hesitant. So uh, I had something I wanted to ask. Have you, I think you mentioned it before we started, but have you been playing any soccer since COVID hit? No, no. nothing. Is um, it because like uh, SportsLink was shut down for a bit and all that, or is it just because you wanted to stay away from people? <laughs> a little bit of both. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know if you know this, but um, I'm not the greatest soccer player. So you know, I don't know so what you're I, talking I, about. I'm talking about the greatest left back ever. Yeah. How many uh, past you at left back? How many sports linked rings do you have? Oh, I mean, gosh. it's got to be five or six. Well, I have t-shirts out the wazoo. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I mean, I I play for fun. I you know, I miss the people I play with. You know, um, everybody. You know, got pregnant and stopped playing. <laughs> so, uh, not, uh, not me. Not me. I hurt my knee, and then I didn't yes. get pregnant. Either injury but, or pregnant. 
the sort of dissolved uh, the, the teams that I've been playing with. And I've gone potluck a couple times, just submitted, um, you know, try to go in as an individual and be placed on a team. And uh, that's, it's okay, but it's just not the same as being able to get together with your group of friends. I mean, I think Katie Hall, Calder, uh, Katie Hall, it's so weird for me to start adding, you know, everyone's married name on. Katie Calder. Katie Hall Calder. Katie Hall Calder. Katie and I started playing back in 2007. I just joined a team potluck. She happened to be on it. Um, you know, I made awesome friends through, you know, rec sports and I, you know, I miss playing with those people. Um, sometimes yeah. you, if you go potluck, you get on a team with really nice people and sometimes it's, it, you just don't mesh. It's just not the same. Um, so yeah, I just miss my soccer people and, um, so we should, that we should play again. We should uh, we should get the old team, the old school team back together. I still have that yeah. T-shirt. Yeah. We should just we should get the old school team back together. Well, we should just do a pickup like and schedule it three, four, six months in advance so that everybody can actually go, <laughs> you know, and yeah. just go out there once in a while. Because I feel like trying to get a team back together is not going to happen. Because you don't think so? People are too busy and yeah. You know, people live all the way out in Gastonia for some reason. Oh, Whitney's not busier. Whitney's definitely not busier. So I don't know. <laughs> well, and I've also been mindful of COVID. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I've been really seriously been on lockdown. Um, I mean, it's like the grocery store, the gas station. That's probably about it. Um, yeah. Because I have a couple people in my family um, with. Uh, uh, compromised immune systems and uh you know i just want to be extra careful my poor grandparents have been living in their assisted facility and haven't really left the grounds since jesus like april of last year i mean they, they've they went on vacation with us for a week and they've gone they've just started going you know to the grocery store um within the past couple of weeks because they got the vaccine but um yeah i mean I, the very idea that I could go, go out and do some fun stuff and unknowingly be a carrier and visit my grandparents and pass that along to them. I mean, man, I just, uh, just perish the thought. So I've really been taking the whole lockdown thing seriously. Yeah, I'm yeah. in the same boat. I've only, um, I played soccer twice since COVID happened. And that was after I got COVID, you know, because I had like at least a couple months where I wasn't worried about getting it again. Yeah, it's been tough. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's been tough for me financially, business-wise. I'm not going to lie to you and say that I believe that COVID isn't a hoax. Like, there's, like, a part of me in my brain that's like, oh, my God, this is a hoax. Like, what the hell are they doing? This is, like, to bring the little man. Like, because whenever you get hit financially, the way that I've gotten hit financially it's almost it's it's hard not to stick up your middle finger back at you know the government and be like you know well screw you like you're not having a deal with all this like you're not helping really i mean you're helping a little bit kind of but you're not really helping you know what i mean i still got to go out here and make this thing happen and i'm not allowed to and the government's not really backing me up so of course like 
I, I've taken a more Florida approach to COVID, you know, and, then, and just, you know, and, and that going back to my point, I still think it's interesting that Florida has less numbers and they've been open for freaking forever. I think they closed down for like a month, maybe, maybe not even that. Maybe they said they were closed down for like longer, but in all honesty, they were like businesses were closed down for like a month and people weren't, it's not the same as they was in like California where, you know, uh, the authorities were going and shutting people's electricity off so that you couldn't operate, run and operate business. That's what they're doing in California, by the way. Like if you're, if you're running and operating, you're not supposed to be running and operating. The, the government officials will just shut your electricity off so you can't operate. That's a, but th they would never think of doing anything like that in Florida. You know, I don't know if it's for the good or the worser. You know, I know those aren't words. But um, at, at the same time, you're at least allowing the, the people that are there to decide what they want to do. I wouldn't have a problem if the entire United States had said, okay, this is what we're doing. The whole United States. But the fact that you left it up to every individual state to decide exactly how they want to do it and to what level they want to do it. Okay. Then you decided that. And I like what Florida's doing, even though I'm in North Carolina, but I like what Florida's doing. They're open. They're opening. They've been open. Like, and why are the numbers less there? That's what I'm wondering. I don't. You know I don't you think mean? that's true. I, I don't think that's true. Uh, I mean, well, the numbers are like, higher in California. They're higher in New York. Well, they what also is the population of California and New York versus Florida? No, no. Well, let's. Here's what we do: the per capita. This is what we do: the percentage. Now, this is where it's important. Now, not the number of cases, but the percentage numbers. Because then now, you know, yeah, you're right. There's more people in California. I don't know if there's more people in New York than there is in the entire state of Florida. In the entire state of New York, I don't know. I, maybe an even split, I would imagine. You know, I, don't most know. I think it's uh, like Wit was saying, it's, it just happens at different times. Like Florida, it looked like they kind of peaked around middle of January, they had like 20,000 cases, you know, and you compare that to Georgia, who's at like 10,000, and Idaho, who's at like 1,500. Yeah, but don't you think that they should have just done a blanket nationwide COVID thing for every single state and everything, you know what I mean? Even That's if you are North. 23 of the 400 page is it really? Is I mean, it really now? Or are yeah. you just making a joke? This is a really no, good joke. If you well, the page number is probably off. But okay. You know, that's but you're saying it's of, in the manual. That's mm -hmm. the kind of shit you put in the manual. Um, you know, these are uh, the departments you contact. These are, uh, you know, stage one, stage two. First, you work with this well, department, that, this department, right. and, the, and you well, roll out what, this sure. nationwide plan. I mean, that's. Well, that's what I. That's what Sorry, I don't mean to the, speak the over you. Right, right. I, that's kind of also what makes me think that, all right, I'm not going to say hoax because I know Matt doesn't like when I say that. But 
It's yeah. not a hoax, but like, if there was already a manual, why aren't we using the manual? Like there were so many things that we didn't do the way that we should have done them that they just allowed to happen. Why? Why did they just allow those things to happen? That's the hoax part of this whole thing that I'm talking about. I'm not saying that COVID isn't serious, that it doesn't kill people. It definitely does. It's definitely serious. I'm not saying that. But the way that it was handled is very, very curious. Yeah, but you know that, like, I, I'm guessing that the the guidebook or whatever you call it, the 400-page thing, it probably Man. suggested like a hundred percent shutdown for you know four or six weeks. You know, like yeah. Some, why don't we do some... that? We should have done that. We should have done that. The entire country, though, not like all right. New York is like on a three weeks. Uh, Florida is yeah. on like a seven and a half day. Uh, you know, you know what I mean. It was like uh, it, no, nobody knew what to do. Nobody well, knew concerned. what to do. The uh, the administration was concerned about the political fallout. Um, you know, it to go and take some of these these steps uh, would have been seen unfavorable by a lot of the public. And I well, that's how you know, that's how you know that Trump is a fucking coward and well, he's not a man that could take action. You know what I mean? That's not a real leader. A real leader would have stepped up not caring about his political, you know, uh, career, uh, and just taking action. That's when you need a political leader to take action. But where the fuck were all these other political leaders, the world leaders, by the way, also? Like, I, that's also curious to me, because it's not like this was just like a, a one-off in the United States. I mean, I think it was similar in England, similar in in a lot of places, the only ones that really had uh, control of the virus were the, the like Vietnam. Vietnam had like, because they they just put the kibosh, they were like, everybody, you wearing your masks and you're not, you're not going outside, you know, everybody, you know? And they put the kibosh on it relatively quick. Countries like that, but I, it wasn't just our country. I don't think, I mean, I could be I could be misspeaking. I, I but I do believe it was like left up to individual districts, like in our case, individual states to govern their own state. And I think it should have just been a blanket, you know, this is what we're doing as the United States of America sort of a thing. Really what we should have been doing as a as a as a as the world, as the earth. I think the earth like the NATO should have come out and be like the earth, everybody's wearing masks, the earth, everybody needs to stay in for three weeks. Sorry. That's the entire earth. This is how serious it is. And if they had said that, I think people would have taken it seriously because they never been like, Oh, they're shutting down the world, the entire world, you know? And I, well, uh, uh, related to that, um, you know, Trump removed us from the World Health Organization. I mean, mm. all of the other, all of the other company uh, companies. I keep saying that all the other countries uh, were on the same page. Um, you know, you can again again follow the um, the, the the rates. Uh, you know, death rates. 
um, uh, the yes, you know what I mean. Um, yeah, and they had you. they had comprehensive uh, strategies for their company for Jesus for their countries, um, and then also yeah, you can call within because basically every every country is basically like their own company anyway, right? I mean, they're out yeah. for themselves. So, so the yeah. world basically did get together and and sort of get on the same wavelength regarding how they were going to address this within the World Health Organization, which Trump pulled us out of. Uh, because yeah. Trump's policies have been know. so isolationist uh, compared to um, our nation's predecessors, we've been really cut off. Um, I mean, not just economically, but uh, when it comes to coordinating uh, approaches to overcoming the, the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. I think the other. Yeah. Good. No, you go. I was going to say, I, th I think the problem with, you know, sort of help balance out the popular vote. Um, you have state the states with the highest number of people are what uh, California, New York, and I guess Texas. So Texas, Florida. So every election, um, your candidates would go and try to win over the people in those three states and fuck over. You know, damn everybody else. If I just get California, New York, you know, I'm I'm in there. So. Mm -hmm. um, you have uh, so the populations are all are clearly greater greater on both coasts, um, and so if those were were the people who had the most power, their interests would be uh, most represented in the lawmaking. Um, no, so I just think about yeah. I, so I get that. Yeah. So think about uh, the things that the coast would be most interested in. I mean, oh gosh, I don't know. Uh, Electronics, technology, um, trade, the majority of our uh, higher education institutions are, are on the coast, the coastal states more or less. So you have- Social distancing stickers. <laughs> so, <laughs> there, uh, and you, so you have more liberal people on your coast. You have more conservative values um, in the middle. You have people who- um, are primarily uh, agriculture, oil, uh, you know, there's several other industries sitting there in the middle. So if you have the majority of the power, um, you know, coming from those states along the coasts, they're mm -hmm. going to promote laws that are, uh, you know, more related to their industries uh, operating in their favor. And you don't have as many people um bringing up, hey, uh, you know, I if you implement these laws, these are the consequences. You right. don't have the the Midwest, I mean, the middle of our country wouldn't have representation, basically. So there well, are more people. Well, so if you have I, the okay, so I understand what you're saying. I mean, on one hand, I, I don't know, I'm not a fan of the Electoral College. I mean, I hate the fact that we have to pull people kicking and screaming into the 21st century. But um, you know, I, I only under, uh, it sucks. I understand the need for representation. I also don't like being held hostage by, um, you know, areas that have significantly fewer people. 
Well, exactly. And the electoral vote, by the way, it's like it's it's divvying it up into states. That that's the problem that I have with it. I don't have a problem with giving somebody from Montana a higher voting power. Like, let's just say you vote, you're registered in Montana, you're a citizen of Montana, you pay your taxes in Montana, you get a 1.75 voting, you know, skew, whatever you want the average to be. You know what I mean? You can easily manipulate that. You can easily say, all right, everybody from Montana is, uh, instead of one vote, there are 1.75 votes, you know? Or you could do that with any, you know, or you could even reverse it if you wanted to. Like, New York, too many people. Your vote is only 0.5. You know, like, you could do it like that if you wanted to, to just to even it out. The fact that they do it, like, where it's like, you won this state, and that state is worth this many points. And you won this state, and that state is worth this many points. That's, that's where it starts to go off the rails for me. That's where the mathematics doesn't make any sense for me. I'm like, what? Wait, what, what the fuck? Like, 23 electoral college votes for this and uh, how many population they got? And wait, wait. And Hillary won the popular vote? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, what the fuck? Like, why are we making it so difficult? It doesn't have to be. It could be so simple. No argument there. I, think, I feel like I'm by myself <laughs> over here. I feel like... No, I, I feel like... I'm like nobody, nobody believes me. No, I just... I'm, I'm with you. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. Like, doesn't make sense. Looking at Georgia, and I think Biden won it by like you know, point two percent or something like that. And then he gets all the votes or all the electoral votes instead of, you know, fifty percent of them. It doesn't just doesn't make sense. Right. So you're you win one state by a fraction. And the fact that you won half that state matters nothing. Yep. You just lose that entire state? How how does that make sense, by the way? Like honestly, you're trying to run, you're running for president of not Montana, right? You're running for president of the United States, right? The entire United States. Right. So now you lose 49, 51 in North Carolina. The 49% that you won means nothing. How the fuck does that make sense? It makes no sense whatsoever. And you, this is Matt's idea, by the way. Matt's idea was also when we're voting for the president. List all the new rules and laws that you guys are fucking trying to conjure up and let us vote on those rules and whether they lean left or right, you know, so that we have a more educated idea how we're voting. Educate us, help us streamline the system so that we are getting educated by the, the system that's streamlined. They're trying to fuck. They don't want us to vote. You know what? They don't want us to vote. They want us to be dummies out here and talk about things we don't even know what we're talking about. They want us to be misinformed. That's and 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 I'll and this is the last time I say COVID is a hoax. Oh. <laughs> Sweet Jesus. Okay, I'm not gonna go down that road. Um, 
and you won't touch it with a 10-foot pole. You won't go down that road. I mean, come on, Whitney. I mean, <laughs> you know, at, sooner or later, you're going to you're gonna have to touch something. I mean, what, what do you just want to travel right down the middle? You know, won't touch it with a 10-foot pole. Definitely not going down that road. <laughs> I'm, um... I'm kidding. I'm kidding with you. But I, look, my points of views, I understand. They, they do not fare well with most people that are talking about. But you can't deny that part of what I'm saying doesn't have validity. Um, That's a vague we... statement. Oh, man, the awkward <laughs> silence uh, no, says are... it all. Are we talking about COVID now? We're talking about electoral yeah. college. I was, I was talking about, I was, mm, no, not COVID anymore because uh, yeah, COVID, yeah. We, we pretty much got it figured out. Actually, we don't have it figured out at all, but <laughs> nobody knows what we're doing with COVID, but we touched on that subject enough to know we still don't know what we're doing. But this electoral college thing, I mean, I, I, I just don't understand why it's still that run that way. And every year it feels like people say it all the time. They're like, well, this electoral college. Like, In order to what? change it, you have to have a two-thirds majority um, mm -hmm. approving a, a bill in Congress. And right. You have to about have a really difficult people... thing happen in order for it to change. That's what yes. you need to. That's why. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which I get another it. Another reason why, we'll, like, we'll never get campaign finance reform because you have to have two thirds of Congress um, sign off on a bill. And frankly, we, you know, we we're having votes come in to what the House of Representatives, no, the Senate, the Senate at what, what like fifty-one to forty-nine. Um, you know, and it's why, why are we voting? Why are we voting people into office? Like, like honestly, like why do we have representatives representing us? Like, you really don't need that many people in the government. I mean, you really well, don't. It would be you need like one for the city, one for the state, <laughs> one for the country. I mean, you really don't need that many motherfuckers. <laughs> I just don't get why there's so many people that we have to pass these decisions through. That Then it wouldn't be so hard. You know what I mean? Now you're trying to get one third. Let's just you're trying to get one third of, let's just say, only one person from one city and one person from a state. And then the president. That, I mean... You you got that number down by like I mean, what uh, I know I'm being I'm being kind of silly and I'm trying to kind of be funny and joking about it, but kind of trying to also say like it is kind of fucked up. Like why do we have so many government officials? Why? No no way you could tell me why. No way. I can tell you why it's not going to change. The, well, I can tell the, you why it's not going to change. I can tell you that. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying why. Like, the only way it's going to change, this, this, I'll tell you how it's going to change, Matt. The only way it changes is somebody like me speaks up like this. And then people start to, like, look at it like, uh, eh, yeah, eh, that kind of makes sense. Eh? I don't know why we're doing it like that. Why, why are we doing the... 
why does 49% of a vote, like let's just say North Carolina was 49-51, right? And Democrats won 51, uh, Republicans won 49. My 49% means nothing now. Those 49% mean nothing. You see, that doesn't make sense. Uh, uh, that, I mean, right? That's why I don't go out and vote. <laughs> it means nothing. I already know that I'm in a red state. I'm going to vote uh, Democratic. I know I'm going to lose. My vote means nothing. That You know? So well, that that's... Go One ahead. of the issues Go is when you, been... <laughs> when you say that we're in a red state, um, we, yeah, we talk was, about I, whether I, I, no, no, no. I was, I was sorry. I was just, uh, I was just generalizing as right. any state. I wasn't, I wasn't saying that North Carolina is red. I know it's blue now. Purple. I don't know if it's yeah. blue now. <laughs> yes. Um, so yes, it's very in the middle. Well, one of the reasons states. Um, I mean, are sometimes they flip flop, and sometimes they could be consigned to one, you know, uh, color has to do with gerrymandering. Are Whoa! You familiar with All that? Right. Uh, gerrymandering. I, my brother's okay. name is Jerry. <laughs> okay, so that's uh, as far as I go with that definition. Okay, so gerrymandering is when. Um, uh, let's, uh, let, let's go talk about, uh, politics within a state. So, um, people, so the state, each state is divided into districts, right? So it's you do by- know, you do know that the majority of the United States, and I, and I appreciate you giving me this, I have no idea about this information and I'm so thankful that you're giving this information to me because, but you do realize the majority of the United States has zero idea what the hell you're about to say. And that's why we can't leave everything to a popular vote. I mean, you see, if you've seen the, mid, the movie Idiocracy, you know, where people are pouring Gatorade on their crops to make them grow, I mean, that's a reason why we have representatives, people I, who are. I don't necessarily. Agree, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that because I think that you're making. It could be so much easier to where the stupid people, like majority of the United States, not stupid. I'm not trying to say that people are stupid. Sorry, eight subscribers. Please stay subscribed. Um, not not that. It's it's that. I, I, I kind of lost my train of thought there. Sorry. Sorry, I lost my train of thought. Just thinking about so many things. Um, all right. Uh, keep going with what you were saying, with, and then I'll, I'll try to... The Jerry thing. Re- re- yeah, gerrymandering. Gerrymandering well, is when um, a, a group in power adjusts the districts in a way that the votes would be in their favor. So say on one part of town, you have um, a primarily uh, poor area, there are racial disparities, um, it's primarily uh, democratic. 
people who, a party that gerrymanders would split that area into two districts so that they had less power when they go out and vote. Does that make sense? It does. And it sounds a, a lot like cheating. It is. That's what it sounds like. Ger so gerrymandering is cheating uh, or using the laws that are in place in your benefit to cheat. That's what it, that's basically it, right? Yeah. I mean, if you, and that's what, that's, what, that's what I was, that's what I was all getting so hot and bothered about before, which is where I kind of agreed with you, but I kind of disagreed with you as far as like the fairness of the whole thing. Like it's, it's just, it's rigged. It's rigged so that, you know, it doesn't ideally, make sense for the, for the populace so that people ideally, don't really understand. Go ahead. Right. Well, ideally, you would have a non a nonpartisan organization uh, review the come on uh, review nonpartisan the, organizations. Are there really any out there? Nonpartisan. Yeah. Everybody has an agenda, Whitney. Everybody has an agenda. It is. Are there really nonpartisans? <sighs> yes. Are there? I'm asking seriously. Like, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying to kid. No, you're, like, you're, everybody goal, has an agenda. Your goal would be to form a nonpartisan slash bipartisan organization um, to review the, the districts um, every 10 years along with the census. So, mm -hmm. and you would, you know, I mean, considering all sorts of things, um, race, uh, gosh, uh, education, yeah. a variety of demographics are, are there any bipartisan organizations out there uh there is an organization that reviews the districts um and i i forget how this works because i'm not an expert in this at all i don't know if they make recommendations and the state set the state senate congress um abides by the I forget I forget how the districts are controlled I know mm -hmm. that whatever majority uh is the if whatever party is the majority um of a state seems to mm -hmm. be able to control where the districts uh are adjusted so in the past when North Carolina had a uh democratic majority um district lines were adjusted in their favor with I don't understand what that means district lines adjusted in their favor I don't know what that means so um okay uh democrats for example um you uh, a large majority of um african americans um minorities a lot of uh, a lot uh -huh. of them wait all right, so you're saying okay, all right. No, okay. A lot, I, a lot of them just, vote Democrat. So the Democratic Party, the state representatives, would redraw the district lines to make sure that the areas that had more of those populations were included in certain districts so that they when they went out and vote, they'd be able to put more Democrat to vote that's more it. Democrats into office. That's gerrymandering, right? Yes. That's when you adjust okay. that's when you adjust the districts 
Um, it, you know. You're basically like, basically like, uh, let's just say, Matt, are you understanding this whole thing? Yeah. Yep. You are? Okay. So I'm the idiot in the group. It's okay. I'm, a, I'm for the idiots, for our eight idiot subscribers that are out there, I'm going to, I'm going to just uh, try to uh, summarize what I think you guys have taught me. So gov uh, uh, people that are in office will gerrymander, basically uh, manipulate how the state line, all right, so let's just say it's a state line, but it's not, it's a district line, right? They're like imaginary mm -hmm. district lines, right? So a state line, you can't, you can't move around. Uh, apparently you can't, right? They haven't been moved around for a long time. State lines stay state lines, right? But let's just say you were a gerrymander of state lines. Then what you're telling me is happening at the district level is that they're saying, oh, Texas, uh, you're not uh, down here like that with that line anymore. You're more like jagged up to the, to the top and then back down. So now Texas looks like a whole different state. Is that what you're trying to tell me they're doing it's, with districts? How is like, that legal? It's How like is that Virginia, legal? Well, I, it's well, it's not. Um, gerrymandering is what it is. Man, that's my favorite <laughs> word. That's my favorite word of this year, gerrymandering. So it's, so, all, okay. it's sort of like, um, okay, so you had more Democrats in Virginia. It's like if North Carolina decided to move uh, the top of its state line to cut it into like a bubble uh, into Virginia and claim it as part of North Carolina. Gerrymandering. So, so our state would become more, would become democratic. Would be, mm -hmm. Yeah, would become a democratic because we tried to swoop in and take right. up half of Virginia as our own. That's, yeah, yeah that's. However uh, many definitions you want to give it with, it's gerrymandering. <laughs> <laughs> um, so courts recently, uh, ruled that North Carolina's districts um, were uh, you needed cannot to be redrawn. The lines? Uh, <laughs> they, so they, ruled, they ruled that the uh, lines of our, our districts weren't, uh, they weren't accurate, they weren't fair, that they needed to be uh, redrawn for a more fair representation. Why is that, I wonder, because the Democrats won? Probably. Yeah. If you look at our, um, our, the number of our representatives to, is it, I guess it's the U.S. Congress. Um, you had like, oh, shit. I don't know. Say 55% of North Carolina is Democrats, but because of the way the districts are drawn, uh, there are, I don't know, like 11 out of 14 representatives who are Republican. Yeah, so gerrymandering. The, so the yeah, so the representation yeah. isn't accurate. So you have a right. whole bunch of Republicans representing North Carolina. Meanwhile, the majority might be Democrat. You have more Republican uh, representatives because they've drawn the districts in a way to make sure that... Uh, Rep more Republican turnout would result in more you know, uh, Republican representatives going into office. 
you know a lot about this subject, and which is that, like honestly, like I've been educated on on this, so I really, really, really appreciate because a lot of the times I talk political talk, and I don't, really, I don't really know what I'm talking about. I have no idea what I'm talking about. I've learned a lot today, but what I've learned the most is that not only is our government rigged, not only is coronavirus fake. No, I'm just kidding. That was a joke. That was a joke. That was a joke. Bad joke. Bad joke. No more. No more of those. But it it the government is even more rigged than I even thought before. I mean, for you to be able to go in and redraw district lines based on the population that's going to be voting for a particular thing, if you can't say that that's rigged, I mean. I mean, I know you don't, I know you, you said you didn't want to get into sports and talk about sports and this and that, but come on now, like that's cheating. That that's gerrymandering is straight up cheating. You know, whatever, whatever other word you want to give it, gerrymandering is cheating, manipulating to cheat, manipulating to gain a, an advantage. I mean, so, that's cheating. Courts recently ruled that North Carolina districts had to be redrawn, but um, the Republican representatives were able to delay that past the 2020 election. For whatever reason, that I think, I think they were saying that they that the district lines couldn't be redrawn in time for the 2020 election. So our district lines will be redrawn. Um, you know, within the next couple of years or so, because they were ruled I, unconstitutional. I district lines, once they're drawn, they should just stay drawn. That's it. That's it. You draw them once. That's it. That's well, the line. Like, <laughs> why does it? I mean, why are you allowed to change the lines? Of, you're not allowed to change the lines of the states, are you? You're not allowed to change the lines of the entire United States, are you? Well, you know, the, like. Why can you change the lines of the district because you're doing it for political gain? I don't understand how that's legal. Whitney. Well, the, line, that the lines are going to change based on um, the, the population and political representation. So, um, I don't know, say a certain area of North Carolina has a sudden flood of, um, I don't know, wealthy, higher educated people. Um, or vice versa, you have another district, uh, there, another area within a district that suddenly experiences poverty, uh, unemployment. That There's, still doesn't uh, and, give you the right to re to redraw the district lines. Well, right? you're, the district lines are the district lines. You know. Well, you redraw to accommodate for um, the the needs of the people, right? The so needs you're, of, well, the, the needs of who people? Why? Why? Why, why is, why would it, okay, fine. You could make an argument. You redraw the line. It's good for some people. It's bad for some other people, right? So you're, yeah, it's going to be good for some people, but it's also going to be bad for the other people. That's not fair. I just, I'm just saying that that's not fair. I'm not, and I know you're not advocating to one way or the other. I know you're just basically stating this is how it is. These are the facts. This is how it works. I understand that wholeheartedly but i don't know who else to yell at i'm just angry like i don't understand how that's fair 
I mean, I think they're going to redraw the lines so that it is more fair, so it's objective. So yes. one district has this the same population as another district, and it's not, you know, jutting you out see... this direction based on this city has Republican voters or vice versa. But, but, but do you guys agree, or maybe I'm just a moron in the room, and that's okay. If I'm the moron in the room, that's okay. I don't, uh, you know. I, I this is not my thing, but this is just the way I see it. But don't you see that the way that it's set up, it's like it's more set up so that you could cheat than it is to help. I think what Wit was talking about was having the lines redrawn, and then that would be it. There would be no more changing district lines, right? Uh, yes, I, yeah. ideally that would be the case. Um, right. So I, I, I forget how often, how frequently they're reviewed. I don't know if it's with the census every 10 years um, or if there's another period of time where they take a look um, at each of the districts and uh, the populations that, that you know, comprise them. Um, but it yeah, just, these, it, yeah it, district it lines seems... are not supposed to be drawn, redrawn like every four or six years based on who's in power. Um, I didn't even know they were redrawn at all, ever. Uh, this is news to me. I had no idea that they could be redrawn. I had no idea. Uh, so what is crazy, which is, w don't you agree that it could be, like, used as a manipulation way to, like, uh, push a certain uh, group of society into one area of town? And push another area of society into another area of town, like segregation. Anything it's like systemic se segregation, but it's like you know. But it's not obviously they're not doing it for that. Obviously, right? But are they though? <laughs> I mean, they're um, not. They're not. I don't. I think you're kind of. That doesn't make sense. They're not making people move into districts. They're no, I'm not, I'm not they're saying moving that. the district lines mm -hmm. based, based on, on based on the amount of people that have moved into those areas in in recent years, and that also equates the amount of money that they have. That is also taken into account, and then they draw their lines again. So how is that not segregation based on? wealth or how how is that not i mean I, there but. yes there is that that is a factor that play these into uh gerrymandering yes gerrymandering is very bad it's a very bad word and it's a very bad thing i think we should eliminate gerrymandering why is gerrymandering still allowed this is crazy well there this is crazy i am going to be the first to sign a bill I'm going to sign it right now. I'm signing it right now. No more Jerry. How do you spell gerrymandering? G-E-R-R-Y-M-A-N-D-I-N-G. Gerryman. Sorry. D-E-R-I-N-G. D-E-R. Gerrymandering. Yeah, there's, it's in the second line of what the. There's no I? The, I mean, in the ing. Hmm. Oh, yeah, Mandarin. Oh. Hey, Whitney, you're smart as hell. Can I, you come back, like, on this podcast, like, regularly? Man, I, mean, I, I feel like I'm so much smarter after this hour and a half that I've been talking to you. Like, 
I, I legitimately do. I feel much more woke. <laughs> um, yeah, sure. I mean, I, again, I have to stress, I don't, I don't have a political background. I'm not, uh, I just, I'm just spouting out what I've pulled together from various things that I've read. I'm not a specialist. You know, you don't quote me as gospel on some of this mm-hmm. stuff, but um, I won't. And thank God you're not too, by the way, like that's, that's what's nice. You know, you, you come out with like, you came out with like what you, what your knowledge is without like having leaning one way or the other. Well, at least you didn't let me know if you lean one way or the other, you know? Oh I, yeah. I, I have a lean. I definitely have a lean, but I yeah, everybody really has a lean. try to be respectful of, um, yeah. other people's viewpoints. If they have a viewpoint I disagree with, I'd at least like to learn why or what, yeah, why do you believe this? What, uh, what is your motivation? What's happening in your life to make you think X, Y, and Z? You know, and a lot of it just has to do with the because, intensity because it, because that people the believe is certain things. And they're cheating. They're cheating. They're gerrymandering. They've been gerrymandering. <laughs> They've been using this word to All cheat right. the entire time. I'm out. I'm done for the day. You guys can keep yeah. going if you want, but oh, I'm, okay. uh, I got to get some sleep. I've had enough. Oh. Uh, I've been gerrymandered too much. <laughs> for fuck's sake. Well, anyway, I think I've enjoyed this podcast very, very much. I thought it was super informative for me. You know, I feel like I'm. Um, much more angry at the government now than I was before. Oh. Thanks a lot, Wit. I'm so <laughs> sorry. No, but at least it, like I understand, you know, my stance better, you know. And yeah, I yeah, this was good. It's cool. Yeah, it was very, very good. Thank you, Whitney. Sure. <laughs>